Welcome to another edition of From the Preacher's Study. Uh, this is a podcast that uh, Brother Bob Hutto from the Oak Mountain Church of Christ, who's the preacher here, and I have been engaged in for quite some time now. We've enjoyed the work together, uh, bringing uh, concepts from God's Word to you, and hopefully you've been benefited by that. As we have said in many of these podcasts, we really appreciate the feedback that we get from other people. And uh, spread the word. Let's get more people uh, watching this and seeing this. It's fairly short, fairly manageable, uh, anywhere from 15 to 20 minutes. And uh, if you're in a position where you have your Bible with you, that's ideal. But even if you're on the road, you can listen to that, and we think it would be a great value to you. We always want to thank our two deacons, uh, Mark Townsend and Jason Reed, who are with us, as they always are, making this possible, making the technology work for us. And as Bob and I have said often, if we had to do it ourselves, it would not happen. But uh, we have uh, been looking at this concept of pursuing holiness for quite some time now. It's a great topic, uh, something we need to think about, and different aspects of it. And in particular, we've been looking at ways to pursue holiness in our speech. And the thing that we have been talking about quite extensively, and it is something that is a problem, and so it makes sense that we've talked about it extensively, is lying and deception. And certainly, uh, if all you have to do is turn on the television and uh, read the news and stroll uh, on the social media, there's a lot of lying and a lot of deception going on, and that's inappropriate. And God uh, expects better from His people, and we want to do better, and we can. And so we've been studying that. But before we delve into maybe some more examples from the Bible of that very sort of thing, I want to give my uh, brother Bob Hutto a chance to make some introductory comments. I'll just mention a couple of things. But, you know, one thing that I, a passage that I like to keep in mind, as I begin Bible study, as I begin reading, uh, and things like that, is the 119th Psalm, verse mm-hmm. 18. Open my eyes mm-hmm. that I may behold wonderful things from your law. Amen. And so that's a good, maybe a good passage to keep in mind as we begin our study, as we begin our daily reading. Ask God, open my eyes, help me to see what you want me to see Amen. in your in your word today. There are so many opportunities to be deceptive during the day. As we go about our day interacting with uh, fellow workers or classmates or just going about our business, if you just stop and think about it, you know, there are multiple times during the day we mm-hmm. might be tempted or the right. idea might go through our mind or we right. might just see the opportunity to, to be a little deceptive right. and maybe not tell the truth and maybe uh, make ourselves better, appear to be better than we are right, or right. cover up something we're ashamed of. Well, we want to try to avoid that, and we want to be honest people and people of integrity. And one of the things that's at stake in that is our presentation of the gospel. That's right. That's we're right. known to be untrustworthy people. That's going to hurt us as we try to present God's truth to people. Absolutely. And I appreciate you saying that. You're absolutely right. We need to study ourselves and know what sorts of things we try to hide or we don't want to disclose or you know, study our behavior. Where have we been weak in this area so that we know ahead of time, all right, when I get in this situation, I have a weakness. I need to really struggle uh, to tell the truth in these situations. Uh, you know, the Bible tells us to examine ourselves, whether we be in the faith. That's self-examination. Uh, where are you strong? Where are you weak? Why are you strong? Where are you strong? Why are you weak? Why are you weak? And, and develop a game plan. You know, Paul says that we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. We know how Satan's going to appeal to us. So there really is no excuse for us to be caught unawares. We should know uh, ourselves, know the situations, and know how to tell the truth. Well, we want to talk about another example. I think last time we talked about David. And uh, what's interesting about these examples, these are some of the finest 
Christians or finest servants of God that you can see in the scriptures, and yet they too fell prey to this very thing, and certainly today is going to con be consistent with that. I want to talk about Peter and a very famous incident, or infamous, depending upon the viewpoint, uh, his denial of Jesus, and that's found Matthew chapter 26, 69 through 75. Uh, it's found in the other Gospels as well, but this is the one I've chosen for purposes of our study. Matthew chapter 26, verses 69 through 75. Of course, you understand that uh, previously, that very night, Jesus had told them, all the apostles, that they would forsake him and they would flee, that they uh, would uh, turn their backs on him. And you remember, in fact, let's read this because it sets up the story quite nicely. Back in Matthew chapter 26 and begin verse 31, Jesus said to them, that's the apostles, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it's written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I've been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Now listen to Peter's response. Peter answered and said to him, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. Remember those words. And so said all the disciples. So we have Jesus telling them exactly what's going to happen because of that. And I guess you see Peter, he always was the impulsive one, the one of the first ones to speak. And he just jumps out there and says, now, even if everybody else, you kind of wonder how the rest of the apostles kind of reacted to that. Even if all these other guys uh, deny you, I'll never deny you. And, and Jesus specifically talks to him and says, you're going to deny me three times. And, and Peter again says, even if I have to die with you, I'll never do that. So that's, that's what had happened. But since that time, Jesus had been arrested and all the disciples had forsook him and fled. Uh, you had John and Peter that were kind of watching from afar. And this is Peter in the courtyard, beginning with chapter 26, verse 69. Now, Peter sat outside in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him saying, you also were with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you are saying. And when he had gone out to the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were there, This fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again, he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And a little later, those who stood by came and said to Peter, Surely you also are one of them, for your speech betrays you. Then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus who had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he went out and wept bitterly. And we can understand the high stakes, high stress situation that Peter found himself in. Here is his Lord, here is his master, here is his rabbi who has been unceremoniously arrested and been beaten and gone through a kangaroo uh, court. And, and, and he, anybody associated with Jesus at this time is at risk, or certainly that'd be a plausible concern. I don't want to be associated with this man. And so here he is identified in the courtyard as, hey, you, you were with Jesus of Galilee. Now, what is he trying to do? He doesn't want to disclose that. He doesn't. Yes, he was. He was one of the apostles. He was one of the 12. He was one of Jesus' companions. But he doesn't want that to come out. Now, why? This is an inconvenient time for that truth to come out because that could jeopardize him. Look what they're doing to him. They could very well do this to me. And so he denies. He says, I, I, I don't know what you're saying. Now, he knew good well what he was saying. He knew the Lord, and he told a lie. But he's under this high-press situation. Then somebody else comes and says, yeah, this guy was with Jesus. Now, now it escalates a little bit. It wasn't just a denial. Now it's a denial with an oath. I do not know the man. 
That's a bald-faced lie. We know absolutely knew Jesus. Jesus was uh, his master. He was one of the 12, handpicked by the Lord. And then it gets a little further when the guy says, or one of the servants says, surely you're also one of them for your speech betrays you. And that's a reference to the fact that he was Galilean and Galileans had an accent. And so you could tell, all right, Jesus from Galilee, you're Galilean, stands to reason, you're one of his. And now it's not just the denial. It's not just a denial with an oath. Now he begins to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. Can you imagine, contrast Peter earlier, that same night when the Lord said, you're going to deny me. He's like, no way, if I have to die. Peter could never see himself in this situation. But here he is, he denied the Lord, he denies the Lord with an oath, and then he curses and swears and says, I don't know Jesus. Why? Because he was scared because he didn't want that truth to come out, the fact that he was a friend of Jesus, the fact that he was one of his disciples, the fact he was one of the ones who helped teach with him. He did not want that fact to come out, and so what did he do? He lied about it, and emphatically it got worse and worse as he was trying to dissuade people from thinking he had anything to do with Jesus. And this is one of the disciples, one of the apostles. So I think it's a very powerful example of how even the best of us can be caught up in a situation where we find ourselves lying because we're scared, we don't want the truth to come out, we don't, we want to deceive people, we want people to think something other than the truth. This is what this man felt himself doing. And then when he realizes what has happened, when the rooster crows, he remembers, oh no, that's exactly what Jesus said I was going to do. And of course, uh, Luke's account says that the Lord turns and looks at him. And I just, I can't imagine what that felt like to have the Lord look you dead in the eye uh, obviously, this all took place within eyesight of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And for him to bring all that, it says he went out and wept bitterly. Uh, can you imagine that? Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you've just, the same night, I mean, I, I guess it would still be bad either way, but the fact that it happens the same night, two different people, one person says, if I have to die with you, I'll do it. The other person says, cursing and swearing, I don't know the man. And yet that's what happens when we get in bad situations yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Well, it reminds me, we talked about David last time. We did. And it kind of reminds me of that situation. Peter gets caught up in in this situation. One thing leads to another. Right. He he did not set out to deny the Lord. That's right. That's right. But he gets caught up in a situation. It gets worse and worse. And he does something that he thought unimaginable just just a few hours before. Right. I I think Peter doesn't recognize his own weakness, does he? He doesn't recognize (laughs) that. There's the possibility that he yes. might he might make a mistake or he yes. might he might slip up. He's he's just so confident in himself. He just doesn't see his own weaknesses. Absolutely. Which is that's a fatal error, isn't it? Amen. We brother. we've got to recognize our own weaknesses or rec- at least recognize the fact that we are weak. Right. And if we're not on guard, if we're not careful, we right. can get caught up in one we of those can. situations as well. Absolutely. When you said that, I couldn't help but think about 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. And then it says, no temptation is ever taking you except such as common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. But we need to understand, as you say, our susceptibility to the overtures from Satan, that we can sin, we can fall. And you're right, he was overconfident. And when we're overconfident, uh, sometimes we fall prey to that. As the Bible says here, you may end up falling. So he needed to be aware of the fact that, look, you know, I'm under the same pressure as everybody else is. 
it might be difficult. And maybe, just maybe, if he hadn't been so overconfident, maybe he had a better reaction. And, you know, it's, what's interesting about it, too, it, it kind of reminds me of Abraham because, you remember, we talked about with Abraham and Sarah, the problem was he didn't believe the promises of God because God had said, you're going to be the father of a great nation. You're going to inherit the land of Canaan uh, through your descendants. The, the, all the world's going to be blessed, the Messianic prophecy. So for all that to take place, that was said before Isaac ever came on the scene. And the incident with both Pharaoh and Abimelech also took place before Isaac came on the scene. So what does that tell you? It tells you God is going to see me through this. God is going to take care of me. Well, same thing. You remember uh, over Luke 22, uh, Jesus tells Peter, you're going to fall, but when you come back, strengthen your brethren. Wait a minute. When you come back, the Lord's saying, you're going to live through this. You're going to fall. You're going to make a mistake, but you'll recover, and then you're going to be an asset to me. Well, if he thought that through, it's like, you know, I can confess that I'm one of the apostles, and I'm going to still be here because the Lord said I'm going to be around. <laughs> right. Well, we tried to identify uh, as we've gone through these, uh, you know, just, just what made them susceptible. Mm -hmm. um, and, and Peter, he has something at risk. He's afraid of, he's really afraid of losing his, you know, lo losing his life, I suppose, right. at least potentially. Right. Uh, but, but he feels that pressure. Uh, he's at risk. He might lose something. Right. He's in danger. And so he tries to, you know, he tries to lie his way out of it. Well, just think about maybe times at work or times right. with our friends yes. or times at school Great point. where we think, okay, I'm in, I'm in danger here. Right. I might lose my job. Right. Or I might lose standing with yes. my peers. Yes. Or if this yes. comes out. I've got something at risk. That's a great point. And so I've got to lie to, to cover that up so that I can avoid losing yep. the thing that I, I don't want to lose. And so uh, that's, that's kind of, it seems like that's the, maybe the, the, the rationalization that Peter right. goes through. And we do the same kind of thing today. We do. we do. I love that point about the idea of having something at risk. And so, you know, what's the, the antidote to that? If we can have the proper view of these things and trust God, uh, I trust God with my life, I trust God with my possessions, then that kind of takes away that temptation. Okay, if it comes out, that's fine. God's going to take care of me. I may not have this particular job, but I'll have another job. I'll still be able to take care of my family. So I, I lost a little face. I'm a little bit embarrassed. That's fine. I can still serve my God. I can still serve my family. I can still take care of my kids. So if you, you get away from having so much that I've got to hang on to and grasp and trust God and let the chips fall where they may. We are going to make mistakes. We're going to do things that are embarrassing. We're going to do things that are bad. Hopefully not things that are sinful, but things that that, there be, that jeopardize our, our, our livelihood. Well, that's okay because the Lord's going to take care of us. I remember Psalm 37, 25, David says, I've been young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. He says, look, I've seen a lot of things. I've never seen God's people go without. And so trust God. He'll take care of you. And even if you have to confess, hey, I messed up. It was me. I'm the one. Right. So there's an epilogue to this story. At least I think I think it serves as an epilogue to this story. Why don't you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Well, you're talking about later on Acts chapter two. Well, I'm talking about John 21. Really. Oh. Oh yes. Yeah. I thought about that. But Acts chapter two is that's a good epilogue as well. No. No. I know exactly. Maybe the two go together. You know, John 21 leads to Acts chapter two, so we can kind of combine those in the story of Peter. John 21 is begin with verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Job, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Job, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. Then he said to him, he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? 
Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? He said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Well, surely I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. And I know where you're going. It wasn't by accident the Lord asked him three times, right. do you love me? That, that, that just seems like, that, that must be intentional. I mean, it just seems too coincidental to be a coincidence. Right, you know? right, right. Uh, and so, and even Peter picked up on it. He was grieved that he asked him the third time. Exactly. Do you yeah. love me? And so it seems right. that Jesus, I mean, this is the way I, I understand. I suppose right. it's open to discussion, but it seems that Jesus is intentionally restoring yes, him yes. and giving him an opportunity to confess him these three Amen. times. Amen. And then he does tell him, feed my sheep, right. feed my lambs, right. which might take us then to Acts chapter exactly. two, as you said. Right. And Peter is the one who stands up exactly. with the 11, but right. we read about Peter's sermon that day where Amen. he uh, uh, preaches the gospel and, and people uh, receive it and 3,000 baptized that day. Amen. And so Amen. that that is the sequel to the story it isn't is. it, of it Peter, is. that he does fall, right. he does make serious error, right. but he... He, does, he doesn't respond like Judas. No, exactly. He, he does. He, as Jesus, as Jesus told him, you know, I'm, you know, you'll be restored, right? And you go on and do great things, and so and he, he does. Did. So that's yeah. a lesson for us as oh, well. Oh, I think it's a great. And you know, I thought it goes further. He was the first one to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. Cornelius right. in his household in Acts chapter ten. In fact, Acts fifteen, he makes that point when they're discussing this idea of whether the Gentiles have to be uh, circumcised to be saved. And he goes on to be an elder. And so he really does feed the flock of uh, right. whatever congregation he was a part of. So you're right. He really did recover from that. And it is encouraging that all of us, and I hope that sometimes when we get to talking about these things, people can think, well, I've done that. And it's so terrible and so horrible and so heinous. Is there a place for me in the Lord's kingdom? Well, if there's a place for Peter after his repentance and confession, there's a place for all of us once we've done those sorts of things. Right. Well, we're well out of time. That tends to happen pretty often. We were going to get to something else, but that's okay. We'll save that for another day. We thank you for your time and your attention. I hope it's been profitable. We are confident if we stayed with God's word, which we did, that everybody was benefited who heard. We want to end with a word of prayer as we normally do, so I'll ask Brother Hutto if he'll lead us. Sure. Our Father in heaven, we're so thankful for all the good things that you do for us each day. We stand in awe of you, of your great power and might, your wisdom. Uh, we we we. Understand, Father, that you are worthy of our devotion and our worship and our uh, allegiance each day. We're so unworthy of the things that you've done for us, uh, even the physical blessings that we enjoy, but especially, Father, the spiritual blessings that are ours in Christ. We're thankful for your mercy and your grace, your love, that you've been patient with us. And we ask you, Father, to continue to be patient with us as the days go by. Help us, Father, to learn the things that you would have us to learn as we study from your word. Help us to be people that are committed to, to truth, to telling the truth, to being people of integrity. Father, from time to time, we may get into situations and we fail to do the right thing. And help us on those occasions, Father, simply to admit that we've done wrong. And we pray that you'll restore us and that we'll be useful in, in your kingdom. We're thankful that you've told us these stories that we've been studying about great men of faith, outstanding men of faith, and yet they have foibles as well. They fall short. And yet, again, they're great men, great men and women of faith. And that gives us encouragement and gives us hope as well, 
that even though we stumble, uh, we can, with your help, get up and, and continue. And so, Father, we pray again that you'll be patient with us, that you'll be merciful toward us, and that uh, we'll grow and develop in uh, the kind of character that you would have us to have. Father, we ask your blessings on Kevin and, and me as we continue to do this work. We pray for the program. We pray that uh, your word will be sown into good and honest hearts and that it will bear fruit. We trust that it will. We're thankful for all that you've done through us, especially through Christ, who gave his life for us, that we might be children of yours. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen.